Um, it's kind of a welcome back. Uh, continuing on with the discussion that I had technically yesterday, obviously I changed my shirt, thus it's another day. <clears throat> another day and the government takes another dollar, you know, that's the way it goes. So <clears throat> anyways, we're going to be talking about um, the fact that, you know, I have hope for individuals and I've seen this as far as cases go and I'll be pointing you in the direction there that you may be able to give reference for a friend or family member or somebody that may be suffering not just with long COVID, but actually with um, long haul vaccine injury, we'll call it. So many of the symptoms of long haul COVID are actually mirroring those symptoms of neurological vaccine injury due to the COVID vaccine. And so um, I'll be showing you a clip here of Dr. Bean talking with what I, if I remember correctly through this video was a uh, medical physician, a gastroenterologist, who she's dealing with long haul COVID and I'll also give you a link to another video where he talks to a, another, I believe she's a medical physician or somewhat medically trained, um, very knowledgeable, but she was also vaccine injured as well. Um, she was vaccine injured um, by the COVID vaccine with several neurological symptoms and she's utilizing hyperbaric oxygen therapy to recover. And so when we look at the mirroring of long haul COVID, so that would be long standing symptomatic illness, neurological disease, following just the coronavirus or COVID-19 infection, um, they don't recover fully. They have some are saying it was permanent. Now we're seeing that it's not permanent because we're seeing them healed or being capable of healing under uh, different various therapies, one of which being hyperbaric oxygen. Hyperbaric oxygen seems to be right now one of the most promising therapies. Um, and then also, since it mirrors that, that condition mirrors what vaccine injury seems to be doing neurologically. So why not undergo hyperbarics for both vaccine injury and long haul COVID. So it could be hope for those who need healing. And that's the purpose of that portion of the video. Now, um, Dr. Bean in this video, uh, actually we could bring that up. <clears throat> so Dr. Bean in this video, he talks to this lady, this physician who is suffering with long haul COVID. Now she took part in a study and I'll bring the, so if you go to MedRxIV, um, it's a British Medical Journal and Yale put this out. It's a preprint. So these are a preprint server. So this is not yet past peer review. But this is a study in preprint that was funded by our NIH, National Institute of Health, and um, a neurological uh, disease uh, organization. So they are looking at the neuropathic symptoms with SARS coronavirus 2 vaccination. So. <clears throat> this study they're admitting that vaccines can cause neurological injury just realize that so here we go now okay our own organizations healthcare organizations did they have an idea for what is happening or an and actually i apologize this lady is dealing with vaccine injuries so both the women that were going to be um, highlighting their kind of testimony and their situation were both vaccine and she is not dealing with long haul she's actually dealing with vaccine injury so i apologize for that because i was previously talking about long haul covid kind of figure out maybe this is happening or that is happening our own organizations healthcare organizations did they have an idea for what is happening or an approach to understand what's going on? 
Well, I've seen 22 physicians. I've, you know, being a physician for such a long time in Los Angeles, I knew almost everybody here, sought out the best in every field. And then I sought out experts at Harvard, at Mount Sinai in New York, Stanford. Um, no, nobody knew <laughs> what was going on. Mm. Um, I directed really a massive workup. I probably had more tests than anybody. And I could tell you what was abnormal, but most of the tests were normal. MRIs, um, EMGs, nerve conduction studies, tons of blood work. Uh, I did have skin biopsies. Um, I did have, I had some immunological abnormalities and uh, an anti-ACE2 antibody. All right, so she had a positive autoantibody to her ACE receptors, ACE2 receptors, um, which obviously would cause serious cardiac problems, and that's what she goes on to say is she developed cardiac problems as well. So it would go beyond just myocarditis, pericarditis in the vaccine injured. So she now has an autoimmune disease that could be pretty serious considering it's going to attack receptors on her heart tissue and many other tissues within the body. So... Um, <clears throat> You know, one of the things that I wanted to point out here is you listen, 22 different medical physicians, and she's a medical physician herself, and no one knew what to do. That's because no one wants to study how to recover the vaccine damage, the vaccine injured, because if they, if science and funding is put forward and utilized to look at how they heal, they figure out more clues of why people are vaccine injured and then more clues will be uncovered as to what all conditions, how many conditions out there, how many autoimmune diseases are caused by vaccine. When they start figuring out how to heal those they injure, they ultimately build evidence for their own you know, um, guilt. Mm -hmm. They basically build the case that they're guilty of harming a lot of people. So the medical industry, that is why when you see individuals who are vaccine injured, they oftentimes seek alternative healthcare providers, alternative um, practitioners, alternative means outside the box thinking. They go for ways to heal their body. And a lot of times they're just, it, it becomes like a try therapy many times. Let's try detox, let's try gut healing, let's try allergy testing, let's try various herbs, let's try hyperbarics. You know, and all of these things luckily have amazing safety profiles. I've seen kids that are vaccine injured respond extremely well um, under just chiropractic care. Now the exact mechanism through which, other than the fact that chiropractic care when applied in the manner that I choose to do, it has a neurological benefit. So that neurological benefit, if there's a neurological injury, then we can have beneficial effects on the individual. It may not have the direct anti-vaccine effect, and that's not what it has. It has a benefit. And if you're doing good things for a person who's sick, who is vaccine injured, then ultimately what you can do then is you're helping them. You're helping them get well. You're helping their, the environment within their body um, function better and do better, and hopefully they recover. Um, Lord willing, that's the prayer. So, um, you know, and she went through all these physicians and, and no one's helped her. No one's been able to, and she can't figure it out. And I want to point out, and this is just more of a, a, a mindset approach that I take on in my clinic and the way I help people is so often is 
she was talking about all these tests, all these different tests she's ran, and most of them were normal. Most of them found nothing, quote unquote, wrong on those blood tests and those tests. But obviously she had problems. Now if we go back to, if we go back to the study I was talking about in regards to hyperbaric oxygen therapy improves neural cognitive functions and symptoms of post-COVID condition randomized control trial. If we talk about the trial here, one of the conditions that hyperbarics helped these people recover from was somatization. And I had a nurse the other day and we had a discussion here in the clinic. And I asked her the question, because I even had to look it up. I was like, do you remember the term somatization? Um, and she's like, I think I should, but I don't. And that was the same thing. I'm like, I kind of recognize that, kind of remember it, had to look it up. It was basically when there's obvious illness or reports from the patient that there is illness, that there are problems, that there are neurological symptoms, that there is abnormality with their health, but there is no test available or none that have been done or the physician knows to do that can find anything on a medical test, a scientific test, that can say, yeah, see, there's the problem, there's the number that's too high or too low, or there's the positive test or the negative test. You know, there is no organic known cause. So science isn't smart enough to determine why you have these problems. So there's no test to tell you exactly what is going on. And that's oftentimes even what the tests lead you to do or lead you down is even when they find a test that's out of balance, it's what's happening in your body, not why it's happening in your body. Certain things like hormones being out of balance or blood pressure high, it's like, okay, they're out of balance, they're high or low, that's not normal, and yeah, they can complain, explain your symptoms, but what caused it to be out of balance? That's the key thing that we oftentimes have to take into, that we have to take critical thinking into the play. We have to have critical thinking on what happened, what, what just happened before you wound up in this situation. She was vaccinated, this other woman was vaccinated, and they succumb to these neurological health problems. So how do we help them heal? I would hope Dr. Bean, and I think he does mention possibly to her, and I'm talking about this lady right here, the medical physician, possibly on hyperbarics, because he also had this interview with this young lady who was vaccine injured and has been suffering with neurological injury. And let's just listen to her testimony. And it's at the point where you can watch the whole video. So we'll give you the links there. Dr. Bean is somebody that is willing to have those critical discussions to be critical of the scientific research. And I say that because when he talks to the medical physician here, this lady, um, her and him, they have the discussion about this study right here, neuropathic symptoms, that MedRx preprint that was funded by the NIH. All right, so there, if you want to grab that study, there it is, neuropathic symptoms uh, with SARS coronavirus 2 vaccination. So the NIH has funded a study that looked at 23 patients, which 92% were female. So, folks, I have said this about previous vaccinations. That when you look at the studies, you look at the data, oftentimes what happens is the vaccines, and, and one of which is DTaP, it kills males. And yes, I can show you research on that. They have a negative effect on mortality, increasing mortality, um, but they have an increasing in severe autoimmune-like diseases in females. That is because if you look at previous videos that I've done and talked about where I point out that the science shows that there's a 
synergistic effect to certain autoimmune or immune cytokines that promote the development of autoimmune disease or they promote the increased severity of autoimmune disease that they're synergistic they're catalysts with estrogen or estrogen is a catalyst to those inflammatory cytokines why so many more women have autoimmune diseases thus it kind of stuck out to me that 92 percent of the and it may have just been haphazard, but you look at what the COVID vaccine seems to be doing. We know that it's causing myocarditis. Who's getting myocarditis? Something that could cause immediate heart damage and death to the individual. Males are dying from cardiac arrest and cardiac and myocarditis more than females. Females seem to be developing more of that neurological chronic fatigue, those types of syndromes. Just kind of what and I'm observing right now. now I don't have complete data and science, just this is observation of what I've seen online um, in those reports from people who have been vaccine injured or shortly following vaccination have developed a health, pro health problem. So, um, so they say here, and this is one of the things, Dr. Bean and her, they talk about, they talk about how he feels, his interpretation of the study is that the NIH scientists, these researchers, or these hired researchers by the NIH, because it may be the NIH funding, I don't know the exact logistics on it, but basically their feeling is they may be lying about the recovery of these individuals because she did not recover, and she makes clear that she did not recover, and she made clear to the author of this research paper that she did not recover. Now, Dr. Bean, his interpretation of this, these findings, and I'm going to read them to you, it says they are 58% uh, of patients, 7 of 12, treated with oral corticosteroids had complete or near complete improvement after two weeks as compared to 9%. Now, you can have improvement temporarily with corticosteroids in autoimmune diseases and in inflammatory responses because it has an immunosuppressive effect and has an anti-inflammatory effect. You could have complete resolution temporarily and then it all comes screaming back on you the disease that that happens all the time with autoimmune diseases and inflammatory responses with autoimmune so if it's autoimmune corticosteroids are not curative of autoimmune they're they kind of squelch the inflammation temporarily um so i would say what's the long-term outcomes anyways um improvement about after two weeks as compared to nine percent one out of 11 of the patients who did not receive immunotherapy having full recovery at 12 weeks. At five to nine months post-symptom onset, three non-recovering patients received intravenous immunoglobulin with symptom resolution within two weeks. Now, as you watch the video, Dr. Bean actually interprets that as meaning that three out of the 20, like 20 before five to nine months, 20 of the patients with corticosteroids, they all recovered with courses of corticosteroids. Now it doesn't report that exactly, but that was his possible interpretation since they're now saying that three non-recovering patients received. Now it could be that seven out of 12 plus one more, one out of 11, that's 12 and 11 is 23. So then that means only eight people recovered and maybe only three of the um, remainder. So you take into that, so you have Five, you have 10, so you have 15 people, is that correct? Yeah, 15 people that did not recover in five to nine months, and out of those 15 people, maybe only three selected to go with the um, intravenous immunoglobulin, the immunoglobulin therapy, the immunotherapy, and 
you know, they said there that interviews immunoglobulin symptoms resolution within two weeks. Well, she says in the video she did not recover, and she made clear to that to the author, yet Dr. Bean's interpretation of this is that the authors are trying to say everybody recovered. Now, I don't know if my interpretation would be in alignment with his interpretation, which if his interpretation is correct, then yes, the NIH is lying because she, this woman did not recover, and so how many others didn't recover? Or are they saying that we had basically... You know, if we had seven and we had one that recovered there in the initial five to nine months or the fir first five months, so you have eight recoveries and then you have three more improvements with immunoglobulin therapy. So then you could say 11 out of 23, less than 50% of people recovered from the vaccine injury. So anyways, that's just kind of a side note. If you watch it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, but then we go back over here to this woman's video here and she'll give us a great little um, personal testimony of what hyperbaric oxygen therapy has done for her um, for her vaccine injury. Okay, here we go. So hyperbaric oxygen, I don't remember how much I talked about it last time, but it was one of the things that was very impactful for me that even allowed me to speak last time. Any type of cognitive load, vision, standing, balancing, um, would lead to really severe nausea. It would feel like my um, face, the skin on my face felt like a skin burn. I mentioned last time how I actually burned my hand and I said, yes, that's the same feeling, but it would extend across my whole face and head and eyes. When I started HBOT, I could go more cognitive load for longer, talk for longer without having severe nausea and that kind of burning sensation. Um, so I was excited to see that study came out and showed that they were actually finding significant difference between um, controls and people who had long COVID and neuro symptoms in um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy improves neurocognition, neurocognitive functions and symptoms of post-COVID condition randomized control trial. So tell me this, so you are going for the hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatment. How long have you been going? I believe yesterday was my 40th session. However, I had seven weeks that I had to stop because of COVID. So I was going all the way up until June, I believe it was June 22nd, daily, five days a week, uh, not on the weekends. And then um, it was only going to be a pause while I was traveling and then I was going to resume. Um, when I went in for the brain spec scan and they noticed some of the abnormalities, they suggested that hyperbaric might help those, uh, like it has helped with stroke and some other concussion patients. They suggested that I may not notice a difference earlier than 40 sessions, but we were all surprised to see that I noticed symptomatic relief within the first week or so that lasted for about an hour. And then I could also do things longer without severe symptoms amplifying. So in her case, she is recovering, utilizing hyperbaric and some other things. But what's really, you know, um, heartbreaking is the fact that you if you all caught it, she was vaccine injured. She, she, she took the covid vaccine to try and prevent illness, prevent severe illness, supposedly, because it doesn't prevent infection. Um, so it didn't prevent her from catching it even after she got it and she was vaccine injured. And then actually COVID set her back quite a bit. Luckily, she's continuing to recover even after. So, you know, she goes through a heartbroken little like, you know, 
snippet in that video of going through like you know she was told it, she wouldn't get sick then she wouldn't get covid she couldn't spread it to others she wouldn't miss work she wouldn't uh you know lose her job and actually now she's all the things that were promised every one of them was the opposite she lost her job she lost her, you know she can't all these things she's now living with her parents again you know it's a heartbreaking situation you know and uh but thank god for something as simple as pressure and oxygen and the beneficial effects of it and how it can help people recover even from vaccine injury so you know that's what i want to talk about briefly is that you know um in this freedom of speech platform like locals or rumble and i know that we're doing things on uh on on podcasts now so we'll put you links for that Ashley will provide you guys with that if you want to listen to these and share this stuff. And that's what I ask is please share this information. If you're watching here in my office right now, since we play these videos there, um, if you're sitting here, um, we provide hyperbaric oxygen here in Clarksville, Tennessee to those who need it. Um, this is not claiming to be a treatment for long COVID, long haul COVID. It is not claiming, you know, I have to do all these, you know, legal disclaimers that it's not a treatment and cure for those conditions, but you know what, if somebody selects to utilize hyperbarics because of the potential physiological beneficial effects that that therapy has on that human body, that person's human body, then guess what? Then we're making it accessible to those individuals. That's what we do. We make it accessible if they wish to take it and take this information and run with it and do and choose to do that therapy, then we're happy to assist them in that process. Um, but yeah, I'm not claiming, according, the FDA has not uh, evaluated these claims or anything like that. It's like all the supplemental, you know, supplement products that have to say, well, the FDA didn't evaluate your claim or anything like that. And it doesn't treat, cure, or, um, you know, prevent any illness or disease. That's not hyperbarics. It has beneficial effects on your physiology by uh, superimposing and diffusing more oxygen into the bloodstream and fluids and tissues of the body and with that oxygen your body's responses are so beneficial in their regenerative and healing capability that again like she said stroke patients science on stroke patients concussion patients and tbi patients people suffering from these neurological um, injuries are recovering even tens of years later after their injury they're able to heal even their brain so it's pretty fantastic stuff that can happen when you just give more oxygen or through the combination of oxygen effect on the body's ability to radically heal have a better capability of doing so at least so I appreciate you all. I love you all. Please do share this information. Please don't just like it. If we just like things like this, then guess what? We're not really passing on the information, getting it in the hands of people who desperately need it. And that's what I want to do is give hope to those who need to heal. All right. I'm Dr. Brown, the Wild Doc. We'll see you next time.